This podcast made possible by our good friends at Tardy's Collector's Corner. Like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure you're checking for all the latest and greatest at Tardy's. Also brought to you by Grand Rapids Comic Con, November 9th through the 11th, 2018 at the DeVos Place. Tickets on sale now at grcomiccon.com. I'm Scotty Young with I Hate Fairyland, and I snuggle up in a tent and sleeping bags with a quarter nerd every weekend. Hello and welcome to another scintillating ep- that's what that's what Drew usually says scintillating. Uh, welcome to another scintillating episode of the Court of Nerds. Uh, this is probably episode 153. Am I right somewhere in there? Sure. I think you're yeah, sure. We'll just say that 153. We'll sure. fix it in post. Uh, I yeah. welcome Z- new Z team members. Uh, both of you new to the Z team. Uh, you People probably recognize the whiny voice uh, that's talking right now. I am Sledge. But, uh, oh, over on uh, about 3,000 miles, uh, to my left, is another person here. Uh, Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, I am West Coast Avenger Greg, currently wearing a luchador mask and without a shirt because it's very hot. Oh, and it it is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. The mask. I mean, your body's fine, too. But uh, Anyway, well, moving on about... You're not talking about my pasty white skin, but anyway. <laughs> about 2,000 miles to his right uh, is another uh, con member. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? What's going on, guys? I think you already know me. Biff. It is me. The Hello Biff from the Twitch. How are you? Uh, I know that... Uh, the rest of us here on this uh, Discord call are fine and dandy. Uh, so let's get down to brass tacks. And uh, I'm not talking about actual building materials. I'm talking about what happened this past weekend. Uh, there was this thing called San Diego Comic Con, if we all know. And why didn't you know one of us was there? Uh, Biff, was it you? No, it wasn't me. Oh, by process of elimination, that must be our own West Coast Avenger. Oh, wait, does that mean it was me? Yeah! Oh, okay. Uh, why don't you give us the, the yeah, ground... Yeah, I, I, I lucked out and I ended up scoring some tickets ahead of time. Yeah, so the ground floor kind of thingy. Uh, I've never been to anything this big. Um, there were a good maybe qu- half a million people, if not more... In downtown uh, San Diego, the Gaslamp District, as it were, or Gaslamp Quarter, it's called. Um, And it's not just the one main convention center. Uh, The main convention center is already very large, and there's shops, and there's uh, a a vendor. The the vendor hall is just ginormous just by itself. But when you walk outside of the convention center, there's still hundreds of thousands of people that are just milling around the Gaslamp Quarter, uh, going to different restaurants and different areas. Areas where there are specific events happening. So one of the places that I went to was the Nerdist House, um, and uh, because I am a member of uh, a uh, a thing called Alpha, it's like a subscription service for um, uh, for Geek and Sundry, and uh, so I got premium access to go into there, and I got to meet uh, a couple of uh, pretty big names while we were just kind of standing around. Uh, Rob Paulson, the voice of Yakko Warner and um, the uh, voice of uh, Pinky in Pinky and the Brain, showed up, sang some songs. It was pretty great. I got to take my picture with him, and it was amazing, and I told him how much he meant to me in my childhood. Um, 
uh, oh gosh, let me think. Rob Liefeld and then he yelled at you, a, and he ruined second. your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Ruins my childhood. But anyway, um, Rob Liefeld showed up, and I was uh, amazed at the fact that he actually had feet, uh, and also was a very, very uh, pleasant human being overall. Uh, didn't get to meet him, but it was still pretty cool to see. A uh, bunch of people from uh, uh, the various Geek and Sundry shows showed up, and I got to meet a bunch of them. And it was it was just really cool. It was a nice little enclosed space. We spent all of Friday there because I only had tickets for Thursday and Sunday. Saturday, mm. yeah, Saturday I ended up coming down with Con Plague uh, pretty hard. Oh. And uh, this nasally sound you're hearing is not a Michigan accent. It's a stuffy nose that is the after effects of con plague we ended up going home early on sunday but uh yeah no it was it was incredible and probably the largest uh event i have ever been to in my life uh it was pretty huge so yeah uh, having yeah i gotta say one of the things that i'm kind of scared of because uh, i'll be going to TwitchCon in october is con plague and i'm not looking forward to that at all <laughs> Mm-mm. No, Conplague you... is is awful. Take as many multivitamins as you can beforehand. Um... <laughs> Bathe in hand sanitizer. I right seriously. <laughs> uh, so uh, of the memorable, I brought hand sanitizer and I was using it. So <laughs> uh, the a lot of things were announced and stuff. Of course, over Comic Con, uh, we got to see quite a few trailers. Uh, one of my favorite was the Aquaman trailer and the new Godzilla King of Monsters uh, like trailer. Uh, mm. uh, what what stood out for you guys? I mean, for me, it was definitely the Aquaman one. I mean, I. <sighs> Going into it, all right, so, I mean, I can tell, and everyone already knows this, if you guys listen to any of the podcasts with me on it, you know I'm not a DC fanboy aside from Batman. Batman is the only DC comic that matters to me, and and that's it. Like, it's Batman, and that's the only thing DC has going for it. Um, that being said, uh, casting was always proper for Aquaman, I thought. Um, great casting there. Uh, as far as the trailer, though, I thought it looked amazing. Um, I'm looking really for, I'm really looking forward to that. And then that being said, uh, to kind of go off DC still, um, I'm kind of looking forward to Shazam as well. Uh, just to kind of throw that in there. Oh yeah. Shazam looked incredible. The other one that, um, that I thought was really interesting was, uh, I got to see uh, a very brief amount from what a friend of mine recorded, uh, a hot little bit of the new Doctor uh, for Doctor Who, and mm. it looked it looked really cool. And I'm not really big on Doctor Who. I know uh, Stacy is really really big into it, um, but it looked interesting, and I might actually start watching this season. So, yeah, we'll see if Ta- Stacy goes in for tacos. Uh, another thing that uh, kind of happened simultaneously as the con was kicking off was Disney firing James Gunn. And this stirred quite a bit of controversy amongst the nerd community. And uh, our own Marjorie Steele uh, wrote a wonderful article on cosplay, which she shared via the Court of Nerds as well. Uh, And it was uh, kind of critical of Disney. And uh, uh, to summarize it, I'll, I'll say this. Here eight years ago... Uh, James Gunn 
made a series of poor jokes uh, on Twitter. And uh, some of them involving things like pedophilia. And uh, Disney, they got brought light to Disney and they, they canned him very quickly. Like, you, the news of this coming out, so that he did this, and the news of Disney canning him was almost, I don't want to say simultaneous, I say there was probably like two hours in there. But it happened, and it happened really quick. Uh, and so, I, I don't know, guys, how do you feel about it? I'll let Biff take this first part. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the biggest thing here is, you know, I mean, I understand you have a brand to protect and everything else. Um, how in eight years is relatively a short amount of history, you know, in in all aspects, you know, as far as how long Disney has been around, how long James Gunn has been alive, uh, things of that nature. So eight years really isn't that much time. But that being said, in this time of social media. Are we going to not have a statue of limitations on anything stupid that we've ever done? You know, I mean, and then where do you draw the line for that as well? Um, in that aspect, could we potentially use Twitter for future presidents and screw them over? Can we, you know, I, where again, where do you draw the line there? Um, on top of that, if we want to bring up history that has been recorded, uh, I would like to say one thing. Song of the South, and that is it. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, oh, I know. Disney Song of the South has though. a can, story can you... history of just absolutely awful and racist things. Yeah, exactly. And, but here's the thing. Can you actually get Song of the South from Disney anywhere? I don't think they sell it. I don't think they stream it in any way. I think they're, they've literally kind of blocked that out of history. Now that said, well, there's still you know the crows from Dumbo. There's still mm -hmm. the uh, what makes the red man red from Peter Pan. You know, there's yeah. all of these things that are in their classic movies that you know. No one's judging them on. Oh, we can still judge them on. Right, exactly. Oh, right, but I mean they're not okay. So they're they're not being persecuted for it is a better term. Yeah, because most of the people that did that are gone <laughs> well true uh my own like uh when right. that that came out i think i think it's important to note that uh that we are three uh that we are three white guys talking about this uh so there are some areas of this situation in which you know our perspectives are a little bit more skewed but i mean these jokes were absolutely in poor taste and his response to it i think is the most telling out of all of them, he said he was he didn't defend his his actions at all. He said that you know, the the jokes that he made. Uh, oh gosh, I gotta find this exact quote. Um, uh, oh gosh, where was it? I was just looking at it and then it went away. Um, but he said that. Uh, Many people who have followed my career know when I started, I viewed myself as a provocator, making movies and telling jokes that were outrageous and taboo, as I've discussed publicly many times, and I've developed as a person. He's had to work on his sense of humor. Um, he wrote this big, long thread on Twitter in which he said, uh, I used to make a lot of offensive jokes. I don't anymore. I don't blame my past self for this, but I like myself more, and I feel like more of a full human being and creator today. 
uh, now that he has grown past this phase in his life. We all were 13 once. Now, granted, he was 40 when he made these remarks, so you kind of figure that by that age you have aged out of making these terrible jokes. Um, But, you know, we all were 13 once and we've all been on the internet for more than five minutes. We know that, you know, people make offensive jokes and it's in poor taste. How you own up to that and how you have become a better person over time is far more important than the jokes themselves, in my opinion. Uh, Speaking of, uh, you know, a middle-aged white guy, uh, my immediate reaction is, and was, is how are the shareholders going to react? Uh, Because that is just where my mind immediately goes. Shut up. Uh, And when when I think about that, it's like, Disney did the only thing that Disney could possibly have done. And I honestly think that they got a heads up for this story that was going to come out. And they they probably had a predetermined response. They had to wait the time for it to take. And then they they came down. Uh, but this is a, the, the, I don't think they really had a choice to protect the House of Mouse. You know, like they had to, to fire him to make sure that there wasn't going to be a PR nightmare. Right. Now, I guess the other question is, do you think there would have been? Uh, that being just because these tweets have been out for so long and uh, this, that, and the other, um, it, it, you know, were they just – do you think they were just trying to jump the gun here and just kind of protect their asses, or do you think they really – that there really would have been any kind of uh, ramifications to these actions? It's a very good question. Uh, something that uh, we could obviously conjecture over, uh, which is why we have a podcast, right? But uh, right. <laughs> the, Pretty much, yeah. I would say that uh, even if they overreacted, I think the point, I don't think it doesn't really matter because they got to, be protectionist uh, in this day and age because we've seen how it can go the other way for, you know, various individuals and stuff like that. Not certain individuals that say very offensive things on Twitter. <laughs> no, no, they they seem to have clemency. Uh, but for other individuals that don't hold the highest office in the land, uh, they can get pilloried right away. And so... Uh, I, I understand that even if they overreacted, I can understand that overreaction. Yeah, and I and I don't disagree. I was just trying to start an argument for the sake of arguing. Oh, that's great. Oh, of course. That's fine. <laughs> that's what white guys do, right? Right. Uh, all right, so let's... let's um, uh, did, did you have something else to add there, Greg? I, I mean, I was just going to say it... it just echoing your point, I, I honestly think that this was the only decision they could have made to protect their shareholders, and it, it sucks, and it's going to really suck for the Guardians movies moving forward because he's run a, an incredibly you know, lucrative and uh, successful franchise, so we'll have to see what happens with Guardians 3 if they bring in a good enough director to take his place. All right, so uh, moving on from this, uh, Greg, you brought it to our attention here uh, bef- before the show uh, that the Hasbro Hasbro's CEO uh, thinks Dungeons and Dragons has a future in esports. Uh, he was on 
Yeah. 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 He was on Jim Cramer's show, Mad Money, uh, here yesterday. And I say yesterday. Uh, he was on it on Monday of this week. Uh, I forget the date, but uh, anyway, he was. That on... would have been seven twenty three twenty eighteen. Yeah, thank you, Biff. And so uh, he was on there yesterday uh, and kind of promoted the idea that uh, their that Dungeons and Dragons presence on Twitch uh, would qualify it for being a greater uh, growth in in esports market. Uh, and what you ended up seeing was a jump in uh, Hasbro's stock uh, by 12% even uh, along that. Wow. Uh, followed by today a decline of about 5%. But it's still still up on, on where it was. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, Greg, you, you brought this to us. What are your thoughts on all of this? My first thought is that Dungeons and Dragons isn't an eSport, uh, and it's not the kind of thing that you can use to have competition. It's a storytelling tool, is really all it is. It, it is a game, sure, but it's more of a storytelling tool between friends. If you try to inject some measure of competition, I I just don't know or feel comfortable with where that is going to lead. I get that you know Hasbro is a company. They need to make money. They want to make money. They're seeing that uh, D&D is becoming a big thing. The two big things that they note in the article are uh, uh, Stranger Things, which you know relies heavily on uh, Dungeons & Dragons lore, and another is, again, those Twitch shows that have become very, very popular. Um, I, I just, you know, again, they're not, they're not competitive. Uh, it, it, it's it, people telling a story based around the rules of Dungeons & Dragons, and that to me, doesn't lend itself to a giant or open arena with millions and millions of fans screaming on, you know, players doing specific actions. Hmm. So I, I don't really see the potential in that at all. Uh, well, we fortunately, we do have somebody that is a streamer on this podcast, and maybe he can also uh, shed some light on his thoughts of this. You know, I guess my opinion is uh, anything can be marketed and sold as an entertainment device nowadays, uh, especially with all the platforms that we have, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Mixer, if you will. <laughs> Good job, Microsoft idiots. <laughs> um, but <laughs> regardless, um, Dungeons & Dragons, I think, I think what their presence on Twitch right now is exactly what you need. You need a community that is going to enjoy the story that they're going to enjoy the lore and that they understand to make this a massive esports community and i'm going to argue both sides here uh to make this a massive esports uh event is going to be very hard to get capture any interest the people that wanted to play DD or were interested in the lore were into it because they wanted to be um so you've got now you're trying to market this very niche niche group of people to the masses. That's a very hard thing to do. Um, like, I mean, honestly, like if I didn't know the people that I do, I probably wouldn't even be close to interested in D&D just because it's so much to know about. It's so much to learn. Um, on the other hand, I think... 
if they were going to do something like this, you're going to need designated uh, DMs uh, for all you for all those out there that don't know what that is. That's dungeon masters, uh, because you're going to start getting people that are just going to crush people on purpose. Um, and then on top of that, how do you not act like you know it's as bad as like a referee in a football game? You know how do you not know that they're ma- that they're making a fair call or anything like that? So it, you run into those problems too. Um, whereas like with card games, like uh, I know they do Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments and stuff like that, and that's kind of esportsy now. And that's the luck of the draw. There's you know that's the skill of the single player and the luck of the draw of the card. Whereas a dungeon master is running everything and you've got, yeah, the luck of the dice, but maybe the dungeon master is favoring somebody and you don't really, you know, you're never really sure. So I can kind of see it both ways, but I really don't think just because of the lore and the amount of story that is behind Dungeons and Dragons, you're not going to have that mass appeal that you want. Uh, I, I think that's a pretty good segue to the point. I would like to say D and D isn't just pen and paper anymore. Uh, like, D&D is all over the place and has been for quite some time. Uh, Neverwinter is still one of the most popular MMOs out there. Uh, mm. And uh, you have plenty of people, you know, gaming on Twitch on their on their uh, video game aspect. And then the collectible card games. Right now, currently, you're seeing, uh, and you'll see it in Gen Con coming up here this, this next month, where uh, Wizards of the Coast is going to do a crossover uh, with Magic the Gathering, and you're going to see these worlds getting combined, mm-hmm. all right? And, and so mm-hmm. when you start seeing uh, collectible card games and stuff like that uh, going digital, and you're going to see all of these things uh, start taking place on the, on the digital realm, not just, not just pen and paper is going to be affected by all of this. You're also going to see, you know... Uh, I actually have a friend that created a virtual table. You know, you essentially carve out the middle of the table and you put a projection screen underneath. Uh, and and oh. you create dungeons. And so you take, you know, kind of 3D dungeons cool. and stuff like that for your players to move through. Uh, uh, attach that, uh, connect that to the internet, and you'll have people, you know, maybe joining in on ongoing games or changing terrain or doing what have you in real time. And I can see that as being a possible esports draw, uh, but in the end, I kind of, I kind of agree with Greg. Like D and D is such a personal basement, you know, kind of gather with your friends thing. That uh, while it's fun to watch and what other people do, I don't see the competitive aspect. I don't. Right. Uh, I was going to say, uh, one of the other things, too, to keep in mind is that it is an aspect of theater as well, because you're taking the ideas of uh, of improvisation and bringing those to the table. And while improvisation does lend itself to some measure of, you know, competitive gameplay, uh, it's improvisation on the part of the players and the dungeon master. And it's them working together to craft the story as opposed to the DM working against the players uh, yeah, I, I mean, maybe some form of comedy sportsy type thing could be done, and that would be really interesting to watch. Actually, I kind of really want to watch that now. Actually, why have we not done this? Because that's awesome. Um, 
but at the same time, you know, I competitive. I I, I just don't see D and D as being competitive at all. So, mm. all right, uh, right. So, uh, do we have time for one more topic, gentlemen? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, we don't. I don't usually get a bunch of techie guys to, and stuff to talk about uh, too often. Uh, like we all consider ourselves members of the PC Master Race, uh, and we shun uh, those uh, of lesser forms that you know typically play on their you know <laughs> their casual gaming consoles or their phones. And, and uh, <laughs> you, being right. part of the PC Master Race also tends to lend you into two other camps. You're either a PC gamer, as in a a Windows gamer. Or you're a Linux gamer. You're some sort of Unix uh, kind of uh, roll-off. And so in either case, we tend to dismiss Apple in a lot of ways. And I've gotten no shortage of schadenfreude over the past week for the release of their new MacBook Pro. Now, their new MacBook Pro, uh, it has, like, the chipset that I want in a gaming laptop. It is... Of high-end Intel i9, mm-hmm. like the the threading in it is amazing. The problem is, they they took last year's you know MacBook Pro and they just like oh new chipset we're just gonna cram that in there oh and we'll stick a new keyboard into I guess uh, and then call it good. And when people start doing anything that's intensive like say gaming, uh, <laughs> I don't know what they're what what they're playing but uh let's say they're process <laughs> team fortress uh, let's say they're processing 4k <laughs> video uh and uh the problem is they start getting throttled down because the their the pro gets so hot so very hot and and it essentially you need to take uh, a couple of uh, by a couple you have to take four cores offline uh, in order for it to run. And then you see processing power go way down. So my question is to, to both of you, mm-hmm. how did this happen? <laughs> well, Greg, you can go ahead first. I was going to say it happened because Apple is a bunch of cheap bastards, and that's kind of what they do. And I'm saying this with the full knowledge that I'm talking to you guys using my Apple phone. Uh, also wearing an Apple Watch. Um, They are cheap bastards who like to make as much money as possible off of the least amount of work. And while Mac gaming has kind of increased uh, in some measure over the course of the past 10 years, you're not going to be seeing it with their laptops, and you're not going to be seeing any real gaming from laptops in general because the, the processing power is going to be hampered by that heat by the amount of heat that your your computer is generating it just doesn't have the ability to regulate its heat anywhere near as well as a actual desktop pc or a a desktop macintosh computer would um so i just i i why why are you guys doing this aside from money it's the only thing i can think of right i mean and on top of that you know they're just trying to fix uh flex their digital muscles here and say yeah the new it's we got the i9 and you can do everything with it and this that and the other and then when they are questioned about it they're blaming it on a digital key in the firmware that impacts the thermal management um hello you could have uh (laughs) tested this before you sent it out please (laughs) not a hard thing to do 
You would think um, that would be like the first thing they'd do is to have that some should, measure of testing, beta testing. Exactly. Hmm. Let's add four more cores to this processor and use the same firmware. <laughs> Sounds good to me. But regardless, I mean, at the end of the day, Greg's absolutely right. You know, and that's going to be any company in the world. They're going to try to maximize profits as much as possible while giving you what they're telling you is the best of the best uh, while keeping their costs down so they can continue to put things in our <laughs> rectums without our knowledge. Oh. On the flip side of that, we should also make sure to note that Microsoft isn't much better in some regards. Because they give us the they give us the tools to make it work, but the amount of bloat that comes with almost every single computer, unless you're building it yourself, is just completely outrageous. People, I'm telling you right now, just build your own damn computers, okay? It's easy. There's a lot of YouTube videos uh, out there. You can build your own computer. Buy kits off of Newegg that give you that you can just purchase all the pieces, uh, and it'll send you instructions on how to uh, put them all in place. And you can do it for quite a bit cheaper than, say, you know, going to Alienware or going to Dell. You know. Oh my God. Yeah, don't buy from iBuyPower, please. Just out of curiosity, <laughs> have you guys seen? The, just out of curiosity, have you guys seen the price of? Uh, of uh, processors go down at all because they've still kind of been sky high ever since the whole Bitcoin fiasco. So, um, I actually just recently built a new computer because that's the only um, thing that's keeping me from building a computer is is processor. Yeah, um, honestly, the biggest impact was RAM and graphics cards. CPUs uh, have not really been an issue with the whole Bitcoin thing. Uh, it's all about RAM and uh, graphics cards. Um, that being said, the 10 series NVIDIA GTXs are mm -hmm. down to their normal MSRP, and RAM is still a little bit higher for a DDR4, uh, but I said screw it, and I wanted a new <laughs> computer, so I just uh, built it I anyways. love <laughs> the, the 1050s uh, that NVIDIA put out that literally they made them just so Bitcoin miners wouldn't want them, you know? And it gives you, I mean, yeah. if you if you pick uh, and you can tie them in SLI, uh, and you'll be good for like four years, you know, with just that. I mean, you're not going to be, you know, running. Yeah, you could still do 4K gaming fairly well, but you're not going to be on the top settings here in like four years time. No, I mean, and even now you're with uh, like Mel. I bought a 1050 Ti. Um, and it's a decent card. I yeah. mean, that she's coming from a 760, or no, a seven, yeah, 760, and now she's got a 1050. Um, she can play most of the stuff on uh, high graphics at 1080p with really no issue with frame rate or anything like that. So uh, it's honestly for the price, the 1050 is a great little card. And I didn't know this when I purchased the card. Uh, it actually does not require uh, power from the mother or the uh the psu the power supply it really? pulls all power from huh. the motherboard uh could yes uh, do you, i mean you're gonna want to water cool that <laughs> so i'm i'm a i'm a total noob when it comes to this stuff can you guys explain what that means 
so basically on higher end graphics cards like mine i've got a 1070 uh super clock edition um it requires much more power to power all the ram and everything so i have to literally take a cable from my power supply and connect it to the card so it actually has auxiliary power uh meanwhile the 1050 ti that my wife has uh is more like a traditional graphics card and just uses bus power uh through the motherboard uh yeah and that's uh, honestly uh, old school something you don't really see in uh high-end gaming uh anymore mm-hmm yeah, I was very surprised when I saw that. Anyway, uh, I think that rounds it out for uh, this court of nerds. Uh, we're going to end how we always do with uh, particular things you'd like to plug. Uh, so I'm going to throw it to Biff first. Biff, what do you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, just make sure you're always checking us out at thecourtofnerds.com. And you guys can check out my awesome Twitch stream over at hellobiff.tv as well. Uh, Greg, anything uh, you want to uh, prompt in this cast? If you would like to join in on the James Gunn discussion, hop online to thecourtofnerds.com or coscurl.com, C-O-S-G-R-R-R-L.com, and uh, check out Marjorie Steele's piece on the James Gunn firing. Uh, Very, very interesting and thought-provoking, in my opinion. Uh, And rounding it out, uh, I will point us to uh, the... Reverse Centaur podcast, uh, which here very shortly, I will be taking over as DM for a short stint into the stars with Starfinder. Uh, I'm super excited about it, and man, I can't wait to do some damage to uh, Grant, who has been our DM this entire time. (laughs) All right, so uh, I'm Kevin from the Quarter Nerds. I'm West Coast Avenger Greg. And I'm Biff. Uh, We're saying, see you next week. Bye-bye.